Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. I am speaking with David Boris. David has been on Freedom Forum Radio before, talking about the Islamization of American culture through Muslim privilege and immigration, Obviously, an incredibly important topic, um, and we're discussing no-go zones. Uh, obviously, in Europe, um, the no-go zone has been uh, growing. No-go no zones have been growing in Europe uh, for a number of years, and these are areas where the legitimate government of the country uh, just doesn't go. I mean, their public safety, fire, and all the rest of them are afraid to go in there because they're controlled by. Uh, Muslims and uh, might be attacked. So we've established that in the beginning, if local authorities are aggressive about insisting that they not lose control of these areas, I mean, that's probably a doable thing. Uh, and you, that would seem to me to be the common sense way of handling this problem. So <clears throat> then you get to a point where instead of 100 or 200 or 300, you've got 10,000, 15 or 20,000 all living in an area under their own Sharia law, getting all their information from the imams in the mosque in their own language, um, and therefore having absolutely no contact with the culture of the host country. Then that becomes a situation which... For the life of me, I cannot imagine how to make that better and how to solve that uh, that problem. That seems to be uh, un- insoluble at that point. Well, it gets to a tipping point where it becomes very difficult. But one thing you want to do is turn off the spigot. So at least you don't make it any worse. In other words, you've got to put a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. And that's what our elected officials have to do. And I think that's what President Trump is trying to do as well, is to slow this flow down until he can take a more rational approach to it. So I want to finish one, I want to make one point about this, the no-go zones and, and that particular problem, which, which I find particularly fascinating, and I, I would like your opinion, David Boris, uh, about it. Okay? Sure. We have... In this country, in our First Amendment, we have freedom of religion. And so we have people, the people who are pushing this upon us, are claiming that these people who come in, the the Muslims who come in, 
they have freedom of religion to practice their religion as they see fit and a whole yada, yada, yada. And, and that's why they're saying you don't have the right in any way to obstruct them or inhibit them from practicing Islam uh, as they want as part of the First Amendment rights of freedom of religion. And that comes in direct contract to the fact, and in a direct opposition to the fact, that in practicing their religion, their religion is, in essence, Sharia law, which is, in essence, unconstitutional. So look at that clash there. You have the First Amendment, which says they can go ahead and practice their religion, and then on the other hand, the religion that they are practicing is completely unconstitutional and, in many cases, goes against the principles of our founding fathers and against the principles of our Constitution. Well, that's exactly right. They, the religious practices themselves are protected, protected and they should be, but there are aspects of Sharia law, such as a husband can beat his wife, such as polygamy, such as the honor crimes that are committed against the children uh, of Muslim families who bring shame to the family, uh, such as death to homosexuals, such as death to apostates or anyone who attempts to leave the faith of Islam, is to be killed. And the list of examples like that go on and on. And so those are the aspects that are not compatible with U.S. law and must be suppressed. But we have people, misguided, if you will, who absolutely believe that all aspects of Sharia law are religious and therefore fall underneath the First Protection, First Amendment protections. This certainly is encouraged by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, recently came out with a position paper, A, uh, condemning Trump for his temporary ban, and B, celebrating the fact that Trump was overruled by the Ninth Circuit Court, and the bishops wanted even more refugees to come in. So it's this type of misguided uh, beliefs that I believe is behind and makes it certainly makes this problem much worse than it should be. You know, there is ample evidence in U.S. law for restricting certain religious practices that are unconstitutional or against, lo against local or state law. For instance, polygamy is illegal even though it is part of certain religious practices of certain religions, for instance, the Mormon religion. Uh, other things, the use of hallucinogenics has been banned uh, in, in the courts, even though some religions claim that they have the religious right to use them. So it would not be, to me, much of a stretch for a legal challenge to Sharia law or to the parts of Sharia law that are against U.S. law. Uh, and that certainly is something that could be done to help 
dissipate the no-go zones, to break up the no-go zones, but more importantly, to exert a legal influence upon these areas. Well, you're absolutely right, but one aspect of this whole situation we haven't discussed, and probably we need to get into, is this whole notion of political correctness and how that has totally distorted our ability to rationally handle these problems. Uh, Political correctness basically says that all cultures are the same, should not be criticized, none are greater or worse than any others, and to speak out, even factually, against any other culture uh, is offensive, and therefore this type of speech is hate speech and must be suppressed. So you just look at the reaction of what happened to Trump when he issued his executive order. All of the uh, demonstrations throughout our country and many of our airports uh, by the participated by the far left and other progressives who have are totally against whatever not only the president wants to do, but any type of restrictions uh, at our border. So real, realistically, what you're talking about is political correctness prevents us from protecting ourselves. Well, absolutely. This is, this is how we facilitate the transformation of our own culture, uh, because certainly the Muslims, uh, many of the Muslims leaders, especially those in the Muslim Brotherhood, have done a very good job of analyzing how they can hide behind our First Amendment and our laws and to advance their agenda. And this is all part of the grand scheme, the grand jihad, if you will, to take over and change our culture. You know, I read an article that recently Catholic bishops and Catholic parishioners were urged to come and pray in mosques uh, to show solidarity with the Muslims. What's your take on that? (laughs) Well, I just think it's so hypocritical because you take a look at those Muslim countries such as Saudi Arabia. There are no churches. There are no synagogues in Saudi Arabia. Uh to even possess a Bible or to show a cross around your neck is prohibited. So while they restrict uh, the practices of our faith, and we have many hundreds and thousands of foreign our U.S. workers working for the oil companies in Saudi Arabia, uh, the people there are uh, restricted in what they can do and, and the practices of their faith. And yet they demand, demand that they be given special considerations to the exercising of their Islamic faith in our country because they understand the First Amendment very well. And we have liberal judges, liberal groups, progressive groups, who are perfectly willing to advance this agenda. You know, I always find it really just fascinating, the... I don't know whether you'd call it hypocrisy or stupidity or ignorance or what you'd call it, but when women demonstrate in favor 
of Sharia law, the practice of Sharia law in this country, when if they were in a Muslim country, they would have absolutely none of the freedoms that they have here. I mean, to me, I don't know what word properly describes that, but uh, what do you think the word is? Well, I think, uh, wasn't it either Stalin or Lenin that coined the term useful idiots? That's right, it was Stalin. And uh, you just see that so many times in so many different ways, and I blame that on our education system because the education system in this country is totally bankrupt in terms of telling young students exactly some of the pitfalls that they're going to confront. And as I said, when you have political correctness that says all cultures are equal, that's exactly what gets presented in our uh, primary schools, secondary schools on up. Uh, Added to that, the amount of money that comes into our universities and colleges from Middle Eastern countries and uh, the millions of dollars to finance Middle Eastern study programs. Uh, the principal bankroller of that is the Muslim Brotherhood, as well as the government in Saudi Arabia and their state-run religion, which is Wahhabism. This money influences what gets presented in the classroom. Well, obviously, useful idiots or educated morons, it comes down to the same thing. Uh, <clears throat> in order, in order, you have to be able to evaluate facts for what they are and accept them as facts, and you have to be able to take facts and reach logical conclusions. I mean, that is, there is no other way to be successful in life. You cannot go through life just believing whatever it is you want to believe uh, and regardless of whether it makes sense or not. Uh, and that's what I think so many of our citizens are doing, is they're just uh, they're taking what should be obvious facts and, uh, and, uh, and just not coming to the logical conclusions that they should. One final point here that I, I think is really interesting to discuss. Do you think it is possible to properly vet people from countries in which, um, in which terrorism is part of their culture. Uh, we know that the Muslim Brotherhood is trying to infiltrate our countries. Uh, so how is it possible even to contemplate vetting refugees from these countries? Well, I think the president has laid that out in this program of extreme vetting. There are methods that we have that we can use if we choose to do so to more vigorously, excuse me, and thoroughly screen these refugees by just probing into their backgrounds more vigorously and asking them specific questions that would lead an experienced interrogator, if you will, uh, to more readily understand if this is a person that we would want to have in this country versus someone that has questionable beliefs. All of this is doable. The question is, 
is it allowable because of the political climate? And I suspect when uh, President Trump instills more vigorous screening procedures, you're going to hear a hue and cry from the progressives, the people on the other side, who are going to claim that this is a violation of First Amendment protections, that we are being very prejudicial against Muslims, that we're asking these questions of people from seven specific questions or, or countries or others, that we don't ask people coming from Central Europe who are trying to immigrate here. So there could be all sorts of challenges made against anything he tries to do. Well, I think, David Boris, this raises the obvious question. And you know as well as I do that this is all an attempt to infiltrate our country in order to take it over from the inside. Uh, you and I have discussed this many times before. And so the real question is not just can we vet adequately the question is, should we be allowing people in the country who, who have the desire or the potential desire to form groups that will take over our country, change the philosophy, the religion, uh, the laws uh, of our country that has, has a tradition of 230 years on this planet? And I would remind you and remind our listeners uh, that these people are using our Constitution as a weapon against us. And as far as our founders were concerned, and this has come up before, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. And we do have every right to protect ourselves and protect the citizens of our nation. Well, just remember that... Our founding fathers, in particular uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both, concluded virtually at the birth of our country, following the attacks of the Barbary pirates on our shipping, Muslim pirates attacking our shipping, had concluded then that Islam represented a threat to our Constitution. And they stated it. They wrote about it. They talked about the threat to our Constitution, and this, we, need, we need to heed them. We need to heed what our founding fathers said. Very wise words, David Boris. And again, we've been speaking with David Boris. The Islamization of American culture through Muslim privilege and immigration. Uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, David and I are working feverishly, I might add, on a DVD that will explain and discuss many of these issues, the history of Islam in relationship and how Islam is infiltrating nations of the world for the purpose of subjugating us all. So, David Boris, thank you so much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you, Dr. Dan, and I wish you and the, your listeners the very best. God bless. Thank you. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com.
the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Thank <laughs> you. 